Shalom and welcome to this week's lecture for Parshat Tavo. And the title is Releasing the Tiger Within. That's the title, Releasing the Tiger Within. Okay, so as you know, we always start with a modern day issue. What is the modern day issue we're going to be able to understand, deal with from this mystical teaching? And what I want to talk to you about is the modern-day issue of feeling suppressed. Now, for many of us, there is this pressing, non-squashable feeling that we were meant to be more. At times, we fight the feeling, labeling it ego as an, us, an, as an unjustifiable need to be special, bordering on disassociation, hi hiding from hiding within a fantastical world, rather than accepting and living with the reality of life on life's terms. However, sometimes this voice of feeling suppressed and unable to connect to one's truer inner strengths, talents, and gifts needs to be heard. At times we need to truly hear acknowledge and accept that we are divine beings and not rats in a rat race, hamsters on a wheel, or humans in a battle for survival. In philosophical terms, we'll quote Viktor Frankl, and he has a whole book on this, that every human has the most innate need for meaning and purpose. And in terms of Hasidus, we will quote Rabbi Shmuel of Lubavitch, the Rebbe Marash, that a life of simply not dying is not called living. In this lecture, we are going to explore the higher self within each and every one of us and how to release our higher self into our practical lives. This lecture is based primarily on a mimer, on a mystical teaching of the Rebbe of saintly memory, delivered on this Shabbat in 1973, which was the 18th of Elul, Chai Elul, we'll speak about that in a moment, exploring the spiritual dimension of God's light and of our light. Okay, let's get into some introductions. Chai Elul. Chai is the word for the numerical value of 18. So this Monday, September 7, 2020, coincides with the 18th day of the month of Elul on the Jewish calendar. This day is the birthday, first in 1648, of the founder of Hasidus Rabbi Yisroel Baal Shem Tov. It is also the day on which his spiritual grandson, the founder of Chabad, Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi, was born in 1745. As a matter of fact, the Baal Shem Tov in 1648 was actually born exactly like this year. It was on a Monday, right after the Shabbat of Ki Tavo, Shabbat Parshas Savo. And by the way, Rabbi Schneir Zalman of Liadi was born on a Wednesday. But interesting that this year is the exact same setup like the year that the Baal Shem Tov was born. Thus, this Maimah, while focusing on the opening verse from the Haftorah 
of this Shabbat, Nevertheless, it also serves as a mimer of Chai Elul, 18th of Elul, focusing on the emphasis of Hasidus concerning the divinity that exists within each and every one of us. And we're going to, we're going to explore the depths of how Hasidus sees the divinity within each and every one of us, not only our soul, but even our physical body. Okay, let's go to an introduction to understand where this Ma'amar of 1973 is taking us. So I want to talk to you about the opening verse of this week's Haftorah. It comes from Isaiah chapter 60, and the opening verse is verse 1, and it reads, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Kumi oirech. I'm sorry. Kumi oiri kiva oirechot. Come up and uh, arise and shine for your light, or has come. Now, Hasidus understands from this verse, extrapolates from this verse, number one, there are two lights. There is the shine, and there is the your light. Number two, the your light has come, right, is the reason for the shine. He says, arise, shine, because... Now, in the Hasidus and Kabbalah, when A is a reason for B, that means that B is higher than A, and A is only an empowerment and an introduction for B. Thus, we're going to say over here that the shine, the light of shine, is higher even than your light. Now, we need to understand, A, what is the level of shine, what is the level of your light, and why is it that your light is a reason for the shine? Okay, introduction number one. It's not making sense yet, but for those of you who have been here before, you'll know it'll all make sense. That's the job of Hasidis, not to levitate, but to bring it all down in a practical manner. Now, we spoke about the two lights of the opening verse of our Haftorah, the shine and the your light. Now we're going to talk about four lights. Why are we going to talk to about four lights? Because it's based on a medrash, a teaching of our sages upon this verse of our Haftorah. And let me read to you what exactly the sages teach. Said Rabbi Yochanan, a parable to one who is journeying on the way at twilight, the time of twilight. It's getting dark. One came and lit the candle for him and it extinguished. And another one came and lit the candle for him and it too extinguished. So he said, from now on, I do not wait but for the light of the morning. So too, goes on Rabbi Yochanan to say, the children of Israel said before God, We shall make you a lamp, a menorah, in the days of Moses, by the Mishkan, the tabernacle, and it was extinguished. In the days of Solomon, the first holy temple, and it was extinguished. Thus the Jews went on to say, From now on we do not wait except for your light. As it is said, and the sages quote first a teaching, a verse from the book of Psalms, for with you is the source of life, 
in your light we will see light and so too said God and here the teaching quotes our verse arise shine for your light has come okay let us take a look at this verse from Psalms that the sages quoted in this teaching and it says for with you is the source of life in your light we shall see light now Kabbalah and Hasidus extrapolate from here four different levels of light number one life number two source of life number three your light and number four see light that's how Kabbalah dissects this verse now let's understand on Kabbalistic terms it's all gonna make sense but let's understand on Kabbalistic terms what these four lights represent it's all talking about different levels of God's light let us see so number one is the light which we call life the finite linear permeating light which contracts into a finite light obviously God's light is infinite but it contracts into a finite light which can permeate the finite world and its finite beings to serve as a soul of life to them all each creature on its level so the definition of life is the way we experience life the way we experience life means that it becomes the soul of our life to become the soul of our life it needs to completely embrace accept and respect the limitations of my being and thus in each category the inanimate the plant the animal kingdom the human being all the levels even the celestial beings each on its level has its finite definition of being and the light the soul of life needs to contract itself so that it fits into in a productive healthy fashion into my finite being thus it is the finite linear linear means at the top there's a bottom different levels linear permeating light what is the source of life level number two the sort the source of life is the infinite circular encompassing light now now this is the which is too infinite to descend into any being and serves as as its soul of life the circular infinite cannot shine into me because my finite capacity body and definition of being will short-circuit if the infinite circular light will actually permeate thus God has set it up that this second this higher level of light is circular in the sense of it is encompassing rather than permeating thus the circle is the source of the line so thus we have this is the source of life now your light what does it mean with your light the verse says so this light by de defining it as your light meaning it is not life and it is not the source of life it transcends above and beyond being a source of life to finite beings thus it is called the primordial light 
which is the light which existed pre-Tzimtzum, before the original contraction from which creation began. Now, this is called the essence light. Let me explain. Because it went through no contraction, it exists primordial, thus our sages say upon this light, and I quote to you, until God has not created the world, there was but He and His name alone. And Kabbalah defines the word name as the infinite essence light which was within the essence. So we're not talking about the post-contraction. Let me share with you one way that we explain this. So the sun itself, let's call that pre-contract, pre-symptom. Because you know that if any planet gets too close, the heat becomes unable, it becomes too great, the light and the heat, to go ahead and constructively and productively be a source of life. Thus, we're going to call, just for the vision, the image, the circumference of the sun is going to be the line of the contraction from which then comes out from the sun past its circumference to the outside there is the ray of the sunlight now within the sun itself there is exists the light of the sun however being that it is within the sun itself it is completely lost so to speak within the sun and doesn't have its own identity Thus, if it was possible to look at the sun, you wouldn't see the sun's light because it would be like a candle in the sun, so to speak, the light of the sun within the sun. The place where the light begins to carry an identity and a purpose as a source of life is only outside of the sun. Thus, we talk about the two lights that are post-symptom, post-contraction, which is the infinite circular and the finite linear. But when we talk about your light in the verse, we are talking about the light of the sun pre-Timtum. That means the light of the sun within the sun itself. Thus, we're talking about a level of God's light that serves no purpose for creation not even as a source of the light for creation. And thus, what light are we talking about? We're talking about the light of Torah. Now, what does it mean, the light of Torah? So, it's very interesting that we are taught by our sages, and I quote to you from Medrash Tehillim, the Torah existed 2,000 years prior to creation, to the existence of of the world. Now obviously the Kabbalists explain how can it be 2,000 years if time, the whole notion of time, the limitation, the umbrella definition of time began only with creation. Before that past, present, future, time didn't exist. So they, they define what the word time means. But for what we're interested right now is that this is a primordial light. The light of Torah is primordial and it isn't connected to the creation of the universe. Not only that, 
But our sages clearly say, and I quote you from Bereshit Rabbah, it says, God created the world for the sake of the Torah. So it's not that the Torah was created for the sake of the world, uh, to be a constitution to civilization, but rather in its truest sense, bringing that the Torah is the primordial light, the world was created so that the Torah can play itself out. Thus, we were given the Torah and the mitzvot, and everything in the world reflects what is needed to be able to live a Torah life. Now let's go to the fourth and highest light, which he says in the verse, see light. And this light is even greater than the primordial light of your light of Torah. And it refers to the light of the Jew. Now let's see what that means. Our sages teach, and I quote to you from a great book, the teachings of Elijah the prophet, and he said, he tells a story how someone came to him, and he said, and I'm just going to start quoting from there. He said to me, there are two things in the world, and I love them in my heart. Perfect love. And these are Torah and the children of Israel. But I do not know which of them is first, which has precedence. So Elijah goes on to say, I told him, the way of mankind is to say that the Torah is first. As it, as it is said in the book of Proverbs, God first brought his way, the Torah. So because King Solomon says first brought his way, so Torah is first. So Elijah is saying, that's what everyone else says. And then he goes on to say, However, I say, Israel preceded the Torah. As it is said, and he quotes a verse from Jeremiah, The holiness of Israel to God is the beginning of its harvest. So the beginning of it all, even before Torah, is the Jew. I want to quote you also from the Bereshit Rabbah in the... Portion 1, Part 4, he teaches as follows. Rabbi Huna and Rabbi Yirmiya, on behalf of Rabbi Shmuel Bar, the son of Rabbi Yitzchak, said, God's thought of Israel preceded all else, as it is written in the Torah, command the children of Israel, speak unto the children of Israel. And, of course, I always put the link to my notes and in my notes, you'll see I have footnotes explaining these teachings. However, what I just want to share with you is the fact that the Torah already speaks of the children of Israel means that the children of Israel existed before the Torah. Historians, when they want to know when something was written, they look at what he refers to, what the writer, he or she refers to. Knowing that if he already referring to it, that means it already existed, it puts the writings into a time frame. So too with the Torah. The fact that the Torah is already quoting that it should be command to Israel, speak to Israel, means that Israel is proceeding to the Torah. Okay, and obviously in Kabbalah we look at this not as chronological, but as level of superiority of greater heights. So the light of the children of Israel is higher than the light of Torah, which is higher than the light 
the circular light, which is the source of life, which is higher than the linear finite permeating light, which actually becomes the soul of life to all finite creatures. Okay. Now, with these introductions in place, understanding the two lights, we're going to focus primarily on the two lights, not the, not the life and the source of life. We're going to focus on the light of Torah and the light of the Jewish people, because those two lights of the four lights in the verse of Psalms is what's connected to the two lights, which is in our Haftorah, the verse of Isaiah. So we're going to focus on the higher two lights, which is in reference to the two lights of our verse, Arise, shine, for your light has come. Now, as you know, before I get into the lecture, I always give you a list of which mystical concepts we're going to explain, and before we bring it all around and be able to understand our modern-day issue. So, there's three mystical concepts that we're going to briefly explore here is number one, Torah's light, versus Israel's light, number two, soul's light versus body's light, and number three, a parched land's thirst. Okay, let the amazement of Hasidus begin, my friends. So, let's start with the Torah light versus Israel light. So, in our introduction, we explained that within the primordial essence light, there is the light of Torah, and there is the light of the Jew, and that the light of the Jew precedes even the light of the Torah. Thus, the light of the Torah is the third light, and the light of the Jew is the fourth, the higher light. Now, in connection, these two light, in connecting these two lights to the two lights of our verse, right? Arise, shine, light number one. For your light has come, light number two, in which shine is the light of the Jew, and your light is the light of the Torah. We now see that just as we said, in the first verse, in our verse of Aftorah, we explain that your light is the reason, the introduction for the shine. So too, we're going to say in this verse of Psalms, the light of the Torah is the reason for the light of the Jew. Now, in order to understand this, we will have to explore one more aspect of the light of Torah and the light of the Jew. So the light of the Jew is higher than the light of the Torah, but the light of the Jew needs the light of the Torah in order to experience and, and release its own light. Just as we said in the verse of the Isaiah, come shine because your light has come. So even sh though shine is higher than your light, but we need the your light in order to experience the shine. Let's see what that means. Why is it that the light of the Jew, which is higher than the light of the Torah, needs the light of the Torah to be truly revealed, experienced, and released? So, to understand this, we need to understand a very interesting concept in Hasidus. And that is that precisely because the light of the Jew is higher than the light of the Torah, Therefore, the light of the Jew can descend lower than the light of the Torah. Now, what does that mean? What that means is that the light of Torah, even as it descends into this physical world, even when this great, infinite, primordial, spiritual light 
descends into the physicality. When God gave it on Mount Sinai, there is the simple physical laws of this meat is kosher and this meat is not kosher. Now, obviously, that is a very coarse descent to be speaking about the meat of animals from the primordial infinite essence light within the essence of God, the He and His name. Thus, it's interesting that the Torah has this concept that even as it descends here below, it still remains untouchable by impurity and remains in its absolute spiritual divinity and light. Thus, we say upon the Torah as it was given to us, The Torah and the Holy One, blessed be He, is all one. Now, I, I wanted to share with you, not in my notes, but I wanted to share with you to make this crystal clear. There is a question whether he or she who is impure, if they are allowed to say the words of Torah. And the teaching says that the verse says upon the Torah, Eish Achla. It is a consuming fire. And just as fire is spiritual in the sense that there is no coarse material to it that can become impure, so to the Torah can never become impure. And thus we're going to find the Torah descending and descending and descending, figuring out the mind, the thought pattern of the thief, of the liar, to be able to clearly define truth from deceit, purity from impurity, kosher and non-kosher. And while the Torah does this, it remains the untouchable, pure, infinite, spiritual, primordial light of He and His name, the light of Torah, are one. However, the Jew, precisely because he comes from the higher level, the essence of light and not the shine, the expression of the, the essence light, but the essence light itself. Thus, the Torah, the soul of a Jew, can descend to such depths where it becomes a separated existence. It becomes a separate identity with freedom of choice. Thus, as the soul descends and closes itself within the body and gets connected with the human paradigm, it is disconnected, so to speak. The divinity, the essence light, is concealed and covered and not consciously felt and experienced. Thus, we need the light of Torah to reveal, to bring to realization within the human being that has this godly soul. It should be connected to be able to experience and identify itself 
as a divine being, the ultimate divine being, that which is the ultimate essence of God's light, which he placed specifically into the soul of the Jew. And thus we're now understanding that precisely because it comes from the highest of the highest, it can fall into the lowest of the lowest and manifest itself in a way where it completely is not conscious of who and what it is. And thus the job of the Torah is to reveal the light of the Jew within the Jew. And now we understand why it says that now shine for your light has come. When we have the light of Torah, then we can begin to shine our own light, which is even greater than the light of the Torah, but remains hidden until the light of the Torah empowers us and reveals it to us. Now, we understand from this, let's take it to the next level. Because when you read the verse in Isaiah, it is very clear that both lights are speaking of the Jew's light, not the light of the Torah. Arise, shine, talking to the Jew. Arise and shine. Shine your light. For your light has come. So both the shine and the your light, if we want to really get technical here, it's not talking about just the light of Torah and the light of the Jew and the light of the Torah empowers the light of the Jew. But rather, simply speaking, the Torah, the Isaiah is talking to the Jew himself and telling the Jew, shine your light, because shine, because your light has come. So what is the shine of the Jew? The your light of the Jew? in which we're saying clearly that the shine is greater than the your light, and the your light is here only to empower the shine. Now, to understand this, we're going to need to talk about what these two lights of the Jew is all about. So, we have the your light, which simply exists within the Jew, and then we have the shine, where we're telling the Jew you need to shine the light into the world around you, starting with your own physicality. Now, to understand that, we're going to understand the very interesting teaching of God's unconditional love and connection to the Jew. However, in order to understand this, I want to just give a little bit, I didn't really write it so clearly in my notes when you're going to read it, but I want to just make sure that you understand what's written here. So, when God chose the Jews. Ato vechartanu. You have chosen us. What is the definition of choosing? The definition of choosing really in its purest sense of freedom of choice means that there is no reason to choose one over the other. Because if there's a reason to choose A over B, then my choosing A isn't a freedom of choice, but rather a logical calculation. And again, this can all depend on what I'm looking for in the moment. If I have two drinks, A and B, A is water, B is a sugar drink. Now, depending on what I need logically in the moment, 
If I'm running a race right now and I need sugar, then this sugar drink is the logical thing to drink. I choose it not because I just freely choose it, but rather I have a reason pushing me to juice, choose it. If I'm in a, not in a race and I just want to cleanse myself, so then water is the logical choice. Thus here too, I'm not choosing to drink water because I freely choose to, but rather a logic is pushing me to that choice. So the true definition of freedom of choice in Kabbalah, when we talk about the absolute purity of choice, it's between two identical cups of water. Thus, outside of choice, there is nothing pushing me in either direction. Now, I give you this introduction to understand what does it mean that at Mount Sinai, God chose the Jewish people. Kabbalah and Hasidus explains that we can't be talking about the soul. Because in God's choosing the soul, there is the logical reasoning within the lover, God, and why he chooses to love the loved one, which is the soul. It is specifically in choosing the body of a Jew, where there is absolutely no reason to choose one nation's physical body over another. There is no strong, driving, logical, rational spirituality into why God should choose the body of a Jew. Why is there so many laws pertaining to the body of the Jew, even after the soul leaves the body? And that is because God chose the body of the Jew. Now let's translate this, translate this into our discussion here. When we talk about the light of the soul, the fact that there's reason, rhyme, logic to why there is the unconditional love and connection to the soul, thus this is not essence light. This is a light driven by reasoning. However, when we talk about why God chose the body of the Jew, when we talk about God's unconditional love and connection to the body of the Jew, here we're speaking of the essence light, the absolute purity of choice, which comes from beyond intellect and emotions and will. It comes from an essence connection itself. Thus, we now understand that within the Jew, him or herself, there are the two levels of light, primordial light, un unconditional connection, but nevertheless, two different levels. There is the level of the soul, the light of the soul, which is lower and thus manifested in rhyme and reason and logic. And then there is the love, the light of the body of the Jew, which is the ultimate essence. Thus, when we go back to our verse where it says, Arise, shine, for your light has come. What it means is, body of a Jew, arise and shine because your light, the soul light, the light of the soul has come.
Why? Because just like we said before, between the Torah light and the light of the Jew, so too over here, being that the light of the body is in the depths of the essence, thus it descends in the lowest, in the lowest of paradigms, in which it is completely disconnected in how divine it is. While the soul, even as it descends, it remains a spiritual light being. And thus, the light of the body needs the light of the soul to awaken, to ignite, to actualize, and to release it. Thus we say, come shine the light of the body of a Jew, because you have connected now with the your light, which is the light of Torah. Thus, the body needs the light of the Torah to ignite and reveal and release the infinitely greater light, which is the light of the body. Thus, the ultimate connection between the Jew and God is not his soul, it's his or her body, but that remains disconnected, concealed, out of reach, locked up, until... We become in touch with the light of our soul, which reveals the light of the body. Now, let's go further into the last concept, and that is a parched land's thirst. Now, to understand this concept, we're going to go back to the verse of Psalms. Remember the verse of Psalms in which we had the four levels. Now, it says over there, For with you is the source of light, in your light we will see light. Simply speaking, the Jewish people in exile are speaking to God. We in exile, in our experience of darkness, remember we said that we created light twice in the times of Moses, the times of King Solomon, and it was extinguished. Thus now we're only going to wait for God's light. That means that we're in exile. The light that we created in the tabernacle and then later in the holy temple was extinguished. So from here on, we're waiting to see God's light. Now, simply speaking, the verse is talking about this concept of we don't have the light now, but we wait only for your light. We wait to see your light. Thus, in exile, we experience the awaiting of God's light. And, truth be said, that this waiting, longing, and yearning is specifically greater in the time of exile than it is in the time of revelation. We have a greater yearning for God now in exile than we had with Moses at Mount Sinai or with King Solomon in the Holy Temple. And this is connected to an amazing teaching of the Baal Shem Tov on a verse in Psalms which says, nafshi and there's, this is in chapter 63, verse 2 and 3. Let me read to you both sentences. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh longs for you in an arid and thirsty land without water. And so too, I saw you in the sanctuary. So do I long to see your strength and your glory. 
Now the Baal Shem Tov explains these two verses as follows. The feeling thirsty and yearning and longing for God is specifically because we are in an arid and thirsty land without water. That's how he explains the first verse. That the reason that we're experiencing such yearning and longing, longing is because of the absence, because of the darkness. Then, before the Baal Shem Tov begins the next verse, he adds on, right, the verse that says, So too I saw you in the sanctuary, which is the time of redemption. The Baal Shem Tov adds on one word, Halavai. Halavai in Spanish is Ojala. In English it is, if only it would be, meaning that the Baal Shem Tov is saying, if only it would be that in the times of freedom and revelation, we would have the same thirst, your yearning and longing for God as we do in times of darkness. So that is a simple interpretation to that verse that we're speaking of in, in, in Psalms, saying that we are yearning to see your light. And that is because we're in exile, our light. The light that we created in the time of Moses and in the time of King Solomon was extinguished. Thus, in darkness, we wait only to see your light. However, contrary to the simple understanding of the sages, that the verse is saying that in exile we can only await to see the light, in the teachings of Hasidus, we read this very verse in Psalms differently. It is translated, and the Yiddish, I'll tell the, I'll say it for those who speak Yiddish, exactly how it was translated. With you, master of the universe, is the kval from Leban, is the well of life. With your light, we see licht light. So you see that the translation that was given to this verse is not that we await to see, but rather it is saying that we already see. And thus, according to Kabbalah and Hasidis, in the final days of exile, we can and we need to already see how the light of the soul, A, see the light of the soul, and B, how the light of the soul is illuminating the light of the body. And thus in these final days of exile, we need to already see the divinity that lies in the physical body of a Jew, in the physical objects that we can use for mitzvot, in the physical world around us. We shouldn't be running away from it, trying to do abstinence. Rather, we should be engaging in a holy, kind, and compassionate way, using everything we physically have to help another human being, to bring love and peace and light into the world. Now we can go into closing. And with this, in closing, we can now understand the feeling of suppression that we each may feel in that we aren't truly experiencing or living the life of who we truly are. Each and every one of us receives God's essence, love, and connection with us. And not because of the spirituality or light of our soul, but of the unconditional essence, love, and connection that God has with our body. However, 
as this essence light of our body descended into our physical world of the egocentric realm of separation, I, our body and our conscience is separated from this essence light, love and connection that God has placed within our body. Therefore, we know we have, we subconsciously, we sub subconsciously feel that we have it. However, we cannot reveal it, release it, or connect with it. And thus, on one hand, I'm feeling so connected and arrogant, I, 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 I. But I know there's something so much greater and deeper than this shallow, insecure I, I, I. There's something infinitely greater that's suppressed within me. I subconsciously know it. I feel it, but I cannot connect with it. Thus, we need to connect with the light of our soul and the light of Torah to empower us to be able to arise and shine. Now, just let's make this practical. This is simply done through Torah study and mitzvot observance. It's what pulls our brain, our hearts, out of the descending rat race of insecurity and predatory and self-conscious I, 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 to pull our head out of that. It's through Torah study and acts of kindness. And thus we will let go of the I, 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 and arise to a higher self and live a life of a higher self, self where even my physical body is but an infinite, primordial, essence light of God. Thank you. And at this point, we can already start wishing the Shana Tova.